So today we're, we're going to follow up with our uh, sermon from last week and, and our passage from last week. And Easter is always a great time for us to recalibrate. And it was a great time last week. And, and it's a great time for us to remember the depths and the riches of all that we have in Christ, who is no longer in the grave, but who has risen and, and is alive and well and, and has promised to come again. And I think we often get so familiar with this cycle, don't we? That Christmas and Easter, and then we go back around. It seems like the, the days between Christmas and Easter, the rest of the year seems to take about that long too. <laughs> the days keep going by faster and faster. And, and we get so familiar year in and year out that this holiday uh, just can become normal to us and it becomes less significant and today we're going to continue on in the story that we saw last week of the resurrection and we're not going to we're not going to see months and years later we're going to actually see that same day we're going to pick up the same the story there and and we know we when we left out last week uh we found that jesus had risen from the grave that the women went and found the empty tomb and then some of the disciples including peter went out to see for themselves that jesus had risen uh and that the the ladies weren't just out of their mind <laughs> that actually this had happened but i want us this morning to turn to luke chapter 24 and we're going to see a portion of the continuation of this story today luke chapter 24 is where we're going to be this morning i'm going to be reading from the the csb the christian standard bible and the words are going to be up on the screen but if if you want a copy to hold there there are also some copies on the back shelf that you're welcome to grab and uh, if we could let's just read this passage together this morning Luke 24 starting all the way down in verse 13 ending in verse 35 it says now that same day two of them two of the disciples were on their way to a village called Emmaus which was about seven miles from Jerusalem together they were discussing everything that had taken place and while they were discussing and arguing Jesus himself came near and began to walk along with them but they were prevented from recognizing him Then he asked them, What is this dispute that you're having with each other as you're walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. The one named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened there in these days? What things? he asked them. So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, powerful in action and speech before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, and and when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it was just as the women had said, but they didn't see him. He said to them, How foolish and slow you are to believe all the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. They came near the village where they were going, and he gave the impression he was going farther. But they urged him, stay with us, because it's almost evening, and now the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. It was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? 
That very hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those with them gathered together, who said, The Lord has truly been raised and appeared to Simon. Then, he, then they began to describe what had happened on the road and how he, had, he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. May the Lord bless the reading of his word today. I don't know how your year is going, how 2018 is going for you uh, so far, but 2018 for our family has been quite the roller coaster. I know we're in the beginning of April, and we're only like a fourth of the way through, but at the end of January, Dina and I took over a new role with our company, and um, now we're in charge of oversight of the overall ministry in Scotland and all of, all of uh, the International Mission Board's personnel here, and it was very surreal how this came about. After a season of prayer, our predecessor and our very dear friend um, sensed that it was time for her to step away from the position. And, uh, and it was amazing. I mean, the, when we were asked to take on the new role, we, we, there was just this sense of confidence that the Lord had given us, even though we were keenly aware of just how difficult the task uh, was ahead of us. And not even a week later, our friend, our predecessor, was diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor. And in the course of a week, I took on a role that was essentially me in oversight of all the personnel, all of our organization's work, this task of making disciples and planting churches. I mean, literally the mandate is reach Scotland <laughs> with the gospel and make disciples there. That's the mandate. And, and as daunting as, as that is, um, to have our friend now suffering with this inoperable, life-threatening tumor, it was an enormous blow. It was just kind of a gut punch. And it, it left us a bit stunned. And, and though what we've been walking through in no way compares to what these disciples have been walking through in these days with Jesus, uh, it, it's felt life-consuming. And seasons of high adrenaline, whether it's trauma, whether it's tragedy, what, 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 whatever it is, if we're not careful, it can leave us it can leave us blinded and unable to have a full perspective on life, can't they? Uh, and it's, it's in the midst of all that that you either live as, in reaction to your circumstances or you live trusting in and clinging to who the Lord is and what His Word says and remember that He's in the middle of it all. And, and that's the struggle, isn't it, that, that we find these disciples. Uh, we, we find them in the midst of this passage right there. Just, I mean, not, not weeks before, not months before, Three nights before, Jesus had been in the room with his disciples breaking the bread. Three nights before, Jesus had been dragged away from a prayer meeting. They gathered together in a garden, like we do on a Tuesday night to pray, and Jesus was drug away from that. Jesus, just a couple of days before, had been put on trial and was wrongly convicted, a sham of a trial. He was placed before a mob. Now think about this as justice. This, is, this was justice. He was placed before a mob, and the mob decided Jesus' fate in that day. They were angry that Jesus wasn't going to bring the revolution that they thought he was going to bring. So thankfully, we know that the Scripture says that God intended all these things to be, that he was the source of all of that. But from the perspective of these disciples, it just seemed like the world had literally, their world had been turned upside down in the course of three days. Everything they believed, everything they had been passionate about and poured their life into 
I mean, they saw Jesus tortured and mercilessly, brutally killed. And these two disciples, they were first-hand witnesses of these things. So the fog of their circumstances was still very present. It still hung over them. The trauma of all that happened was still palpable. It's clouding their vision. And you can see it in their response to Jesus. We see in verses 14 and 15 that they are grappling with what's just happened. They're arguing back and forth. That's what's the word it uses. They're arguing back and forth. They're discussing it. They're arguing it. I mean, it's, it's this heated debate of, is Jesus who he says he is? I don't It's been three days. We haven't seen him. I mean, why did all this have to happen? Presumably, they're, they're going back home. They're on their way. They've been in Jerusalem for the Passover. And, and we don't know that for certain, but that seems to be the most plausible reason for this journey, that they, they have this choice now in this moment as they're walking back home. They can go back to Emmaus and forget everything that's happened that they've experienced with Jesus. They can try to hide the fact that they were there. That was just something I was a part of that I'm not actually going to broadcast to people. Or they can go back and trust in the Lord. To trust that Jesus is exactly who he says he was. Not that he's this false Messiah, but Jesus is the promised one. That he indeed would rise from the grave. Either way, it didn't change the way they felt in that moment. And that's the way we know about truth, right? We live through hard circumstances. Truth doesn't change the way we feel. It just changes the way we understand how things are happening. But look at verse 17 with me. uh, Then Jesus asked them, What is this dispute that you're having with each other as you're walking? Now this was such a crazy question that look at their response. And they stopped walking. They stopped dead in their tracks. They just stopped. (laughs) Dumbfounded. What? What are you even asking us this question for? The, and it says, and they looked discouraged. The ESV says they were sad by this question. They were saddened. The heartbreak was real. Here's my question this morning. As I read this and as I've read it several times this week, why, why would Jesus intentionally cause these guys to be discouraged or sad? I mean, he, he knew that asking this question was going to bring up everything they've been living through, right? It's like one to your friend who's just lost a parent and asking them, hey, how did, how did it happen? How did your, how'd your mom pass away? How did your dad pass away? And then making them relive the trauma of all that's just happened. <laughs> Jesus is intentionally asking that question. And, and, and he intentionally, it says, they were prevented from knowing it was Jesus. He intentionally hid his identity from them. That means he had a purpose in all of this, right? So, Throughout the gospel accounts, we see that Jesus has a mastery. He is a master of the art of asking questions. Not just asking them, but asking them at the right time. I mean, Jesus encounters people, and they'll like be asking him questions, and he won't even address what they're saying. He'll just go right to the heart of where they are <laughs> and ask them questions. And he does that here as well. And you see it in verses 17 and verse 19. He's fully aware of the situation. I mean, since he actually was the one who lived through all the suffering, he's, he's very familiar with, with what's just happened. But he still asks these questions. In verse 17, then he asked, What is this dispute that you're having with each other as you're walking? This question would have been staggering because of Jesus' status and what's just transpired in the last few days. It would have been familiar to everyone in Jerusalem. Everyone would have known what's just happened. Jerusalem wasn't a huge place. I mean, it's kind of like Deniston. If something super traumatic would have happened and would happen in Deniston, everybody in Deniston knows what's happening right here, right? So everybody in Jerusalem knew what was happening, and they're just blown away by this. And because and, and you see this as they respond in verse 18. The one named Cleopas answered him, 
Are you the only visitor? I mean, are you the only person, really, in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that's happened there in these days? And he's basically like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, have you been hiding under a rock? I mean, where have you been that you don't know what's been going on? You must be the only person in this whole area who, don't, who doesn't know what's going on. The question was absurd, and it's almost like they were appalled by it. But Jesus, he keeps on pressing them. Look at verse 19. <laughs> he, he just says, what things? He asked them. And then he causes them to recount all that's happened over the last week or so. And they have to relive that heartbreak. Why would Jesus do that? Why not just reveal himself to them in that moment and, and let there be hope right there? Why not just open their eyes to the fact that Jesus is alive? But he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. Instead, he keeps it a mystery. Look at what he does. He responds by setting them straight in a very peculiar way. Look at verse 25. He said to them, How foolish and slow you are to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them for them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. So first, Jesus, right there in verse 25, he calls himself the Messiah. We saw in verse 19 that they, they called him not the Messiah. They said he's a prophet. And so they, you can see their faith has been shaken there. They're, they're thinking that he was the Messiah. But then now all this has happened. I don't know if he was. So we're going to call him a prophet. And Jesus is definitely a prophet. But... And there's no doubt about that, but the fact of their language reveals their heart. And instead of revealing himself there to them in that moment, he does something that's far more lasting and far more impacting in their lives. He takes them to the Old Testament scriptures, and he starts at the very beginning, and he reveals himself. And he just begins to go through passage after passage with them. See, he he could have shown them who he was. But by doing it this way, he allows them to be able to go back to the scriptures in the future and to see these things. Make a note of verse 27 with me. Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted for them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. And Jesus didn't just give them one verse, one happy verse to hold on to. He didn't just say, look at Isaiah 53, that's me, one passage. He goes back to the very beginning. He says, starting with Moses, well, Moses, the Spirit used him to write the first five books of the Old Testament. Not like the life of Moses. He went back to the very beginning, Genesis, in the beginning. (laughs) In the beginning is where he started and began to reveal himself in place after place and passage after passage, revealing God's goodness over and over and over and over, showing that the Messiah, that this has been a story from the very beginning, starting when the guarding, with the fall of man, that God promises right there that I will not let it be this way always. I will bring redemption and reconciliation. I will make things right. And then passage after passage after passage, he just reveals himself who he is. And that is an amazing thing to think about. I mean, you think about the places we, we like to skip through, right? Uh, that Leviticus and oh, Numbers and those places, that the measurements of the temple and the tabernacle. And you're like, oh, why do we have to know the curtain rods and why <laughs> the length of them and that they're brass or they're gold or silver? He goes through, even through those places, and reveals his majesty to them and how they relate to who he is. That's amazing. 
I mean, that's, that's just mind blowing. Uh, how many how many of us skip through you know all the genealogies of? <laughs> the, okay, there's pages of so and so begets so and so. What's the so and so? You know, Jesus goes through there and talks about why that's important and how it relates to him. He shows them even though the characters in the story change, God's faithfulness never changes. It remains constant. He shows them that the pattern for how God has been faithful, not just one time, for for all of history, God has been faithful. And he shows them the depth of the truth of the covenant that God made with his people, that I will be your God. You will be my people. I'm going to make that so. So from now on, from now on, anytime there was doubt in in the hearts of these two disciples, It's not like they went back to an experience where Jesus met them. They went back to what they had in their hands. I can see this right here. He showed it to me. He showed me who he was in the Old Testament. He showed me in the scriptures over and over and over again. How amazing. He is absolute in his faithfulness. He's totally resolute in his loving goodness. He didn't just open their eyes to who he was. He showed their hearts who he was. Man, how much more of a gift of that. This morning, that leads us to to the first of two takeaways for us today from this passage. The first one is this, that God is continually intersecting with us in life and in His Word. But are we listening for His voice or are we missing it? He's always intersecting with us. Don't miss this today. Think about the places in your life that aren't all rainbows that aren't all puppies, that, that aren't all gorgeous sunsets. Uh, I, Dean and I, for a while, I, I've been so busy I haven't been able to keep up with this, but for a while we were keeping a blog of all our experiences here. We were, had a website, and, and we had all these great photos. I'd go hill walking and take all these amazing photos, and, and I, I constantly got these, these comments from, from folks back in America, and they'd be like, oh, it just looks so amazing and so beautiful. I'm like, well, it is amazing and it's beautiful, but you're only seeing like, the times I want to take photos. You're not seeing like the downpour that I walked through to get to this, you know? And so <laughs> one day I, I took photos. Uh, we we're walking through this on this hill and it's nothing but white. It's white out and there's snow and you can't see anything. So I took a photo of foot tracks, footprints going into the, <laughs> and I was like, here's real life for you. You know, it's like, it's, what about those seasons in our life where it's just the fog and the haze and, and you really can't even see what's in front of you? Could it be that God is at work in your life. And you just like these disciples, you don't even recognize that Christ is present with you in that moment. That he's at work in the midst of the struggle. When we want to curse the struggle, when we want to say, why God am I walking through this? Could it be that he's at work in the midst of that? What about the strained relationship with your family member, your friend? What about the coworker, the supervisor, who was just relentless in their criticism? Whatever the struggle, could it be that you're missing the fact that Christ is present with you in this season of life? That he's shown up in the middle of difficulty in order to show you more of himself? It would be easy for Christ to reveal himself in his full glory. It would be easy for him just to pull back, you know, rip open the clouds, and there he is. That's what we want, right? We want, like, when we feel, you, know, you ever run those scenarios in your head where you're the victim and you just want justice and, you know, smite them, God, you know, whatever it is. That's what we want, right? And that would be easy for God to do, but it's far more loving for Him to allow us 
to walk through these circumstances so that we grow more and more dependent upon who He is, so we understand His character in more depth. And then we share that with others, right? Don't just assume that the difficulty you're walking through is just a hard season. God in His sovereignty uses the stuff of our lives to refine us, to make us more like Jesus. So here's my question today. Where are the places that we are kept from seeing Jesus present and at work except for when we experience His voice and His Word? Think about this. Where did Christ take these disciples? To the Old Testament to the law, no less, to the scriptures. He took them passage after passage. I mean, he just shows that Second uh, Timothy 3 is right, it, it, that every word, every, every passage, all of scripture is inspired. It is good. It is edifying. It is, it is perfect and, and holy and true. Could it be that, his, that he's disguising what he's doing in the middle of your circumstances, just as these disciples were, were prevented from seeing him? Also, that he can bring you back to the scriptures in order for you to see an even bigger truth about himself. So, let's 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 try to avoid some of the, some of our responses instead of wallowing. We have to do that sometimes, right? Well, it was me. Well, I'll wallow in my my difficulty. That's me often complain. Instead of trying to fix it on my own, that's really me trying to fix my my situation. Instead of maybe burying our head in the sand and ignoring the problem, which we like to do sometimes, why not instead listen for the voice of the Lord in His Word, to trust Him, to look for Him, to cling to Him in His Word. And you know what? He will speak to us. Scripture over and over affirms that. Not only does He hear our prayers, but He leads us. He guides us. He speaks to us through His Word. That's such a powerful truth for us today, that God does more for us than just give us temporary feelings. Feelings are good. Happiness, feeling happiness is good. Feeling hopeful is good, and they're great gifts. But what about when those feelings fade and you're feeling distant from God? He gives us enduring promises and truth that we can cling to. That, Lord, even though I don't feel like I'm close to you today, I know that the reality is you never leave me, you never forsake me. Even though I feel like I'm so distant, the reality is you always see me. You always are present with me. That's, that's powerful stuff. He gives us those enduring promises. So in your wrestling, look for how the Lord has revealed His truth to you in His Word. That's His primary revelation to us. That's the way He speaks to us is through His Word. And as powerful as that is, I want us to see one other thing about this passage this morning. Look at verse 28. They came near the village, they came near Emmaus where they were going, and he gave the impression that he was going farther. But they urged him, stay with us because it's almost evening and now the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. It was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. And they said to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? That very hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those who were gathered together, who said, the Lord has truly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Then they began to describe what happened on the road and how he had made known to them the breaking of bread. So this journey comes to an end. And these two disciples are so encouraged by the truth that's been revealed in God's Word that they literally said, didn't our hearts burn within us? 
Didn't we feel this passion for God? Didn't we feel this excitement? And as they begin to eat together, they invite Jesus in. As they begin to eat together, Jesus begins the meal by taking the bread and breaking it. And instantly they realized, I've seen this before, you know, just a couple of days ago. We saw Jesus. They suddenly realize what's been happening all this time, and it becomes clear. Everything they'd experienced comes into full focus. I've tried from time to time to dabble in photography. I'm not very good, but I like to dabble in it. And, uh, and my camera has this function, autofocus, which is amazing. You know, you just press the button, and it focuses in on your subject you're trying to shoot. And, and you don't have to do any of the work, right? And so you just press the button, and it focuses in. But I, I've been working on the, the manual focus feature, you know, where you have to kind of dial it in on the lens, and, 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 you, and you work it back and forth, and you can make whatever you want, whatever aspect of, of what you're trying to capture come into full view and, and and as you go to take the photo with the with the manual focus there are different things that you can make the focal point sometimes it's fun to make what's right here in front of you get really in clear and what's in the background really out of focus and and it's fun to alternate that and, and make the foreground you know back and forth back and forth but it's it, it, it's fun to, to play around with that kind of things Jesus takes the bread here and is it's as if he dials in the focus for them and he helps them to understand that there is so much more to see than just what they've been focusing on. And instantly they get it. He took them to the scriptures to see the backdrop that God is enduring in his faithfulness and all the promises of the Messiah. And now he adjusts the focus just a bit by taking the bread. And they see that not only is God faithful in the past, but he's also faithful in the present. He allows them to see that his faithfulness from all of history, but he doesn't let it just stay there, that God used to be faithful. He, let, he reveals himself. It's, it's the perfect timing for him to reveal himself because now they understand, now they get it. God has always been faithful, and now, even right now, he's faithful to his promises. He's perfectly faithful in the present too. So maybe, just maybe, what each of us needs is a recalibration of our focal point this morning. When we search for the Lord in His Word, not only is His character revealed to us, but we understand so much of what is currently going on in our lives. Yes, God's Word speaks to, to who He has been, but He also uses it to speak to where we are right now, today. When that happens, what should be our response? And that leads us to our second takeaway. Yes, God speaks to us through His Word to draw us near to Himself, but... He does this so that we can edify and build up the body of Christ. Look at the response of these, these disciples in our passage, verse 33. That very hour, not days, not weeks, that very hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were with them. Okay, Immediately they went back to Jerusalem. They just walked the seven miles to get to where they were that day. And it would have been easy for them to say, oh, that was an amazing time with Jesus. I can't wait till tomorrow when we go back to Jerusalem or next week when I had, I had to run an errand there anyway. You know, I had to get back to the shop to get my shopping. You know, um, no, they, they get up instantly from the table and nighttime, we don't care. Don't have light, don't care. We're just going to make the journey right back to, to Jerusalem and make the trek. That, why? <laughs> why did they do that? They were so deeply impacted by what they had just experienced, what they just learned, that they couldn't help but to share it with the rest of their spiritual family, the rest of their spiritual community. 
And this is how they put it. Our hearts were absolutely burning within us as we listened to the powerful and rich truths of God's Word. They, I mean, they easily could have delayed, but they chose not to do that. Brothers and sisters, let's not make the mistake of keeping our private, the things we learn in our private devotional lives to ourselves. Yes, be faithful to read God's Word on your own, but also be faithful to share what the Lord is teaching you and revealing to you. Because it's not just for you. It's for the edification and the building up of the body of Christ. Are we faithfully sharing what we're learning in our private worship with our brothers and sisters? And there are several avenues to do this in the life of our church. I mean, this is one of the primary reasons we, we do missional communities. We come together on a Wednesday night or a Thursday night and, and we have a meal together and we talk about what God is showing us in His Word and we read it together. I mean, that's, that's one of the main reasons we get, we get together to have missional communities. There's the church WhatsApp group. I mean, share, share that stuff on there. What, what is God teaching me? I mean, who knows how you can encourage? I mean, you, you don't know how you can encourage your brothers and sisters until you do that. Don't be afraid to call or text someone during the week. Say, hey, can you meet for tea or coffee? This is going to sound weird, but man, you got to hear what I'm learning, <laughs> what God is showing to me in His Word. Let's not make the mistake that sharing the stuff we're learning, how God is growing us, is an egotistical or an arrogant thing. That's not at all. The Lord teaches us from His Word both to draw us near to Him, but to also edify the body of Christ. And let's be honest this morning, every single, everything, Every single bit of this is moot if we're failing to be in God's Word. We can't actually learn who He is from the Scriptures if we're not actually in the Scriptures, right? Now, I say that as someone who strives to be diligent to be in the Scriptures, but who is not perfect in that. I understand. Some days it is a struggle that I have to press through because I I, I let other things take priority and precedent. But here's what I know. When I am diligent to seek the Lord in His Word, without fail, without fail, every single time He reveals something of Himself to me. He encourages me. He teaches me. If you seek the Lord in His Word, He will reveal Himself to you. Maybe you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus this morning. Maybe you're here and you've never trusted as Jesus to be your Savior. I want to challenge you. Would you be daring enough to seek God in His Word? Would you be daring enough to sit down and actually read what the Bible has to say about who God is, about who Jesus is? We have the Alpha Course coming up. We would love for you to be a part of that. Um, but maybe you want to sit down with a friend and just ask a friend here who, who you may have. Or ask me. I would love to, to, to do that with you. There are many of us that would love to do that with you. Friends, listen to His voice in the Scriptures this week. Be faithful to share how He's teaching you and speaking to you with your faith family. Jesus revealed Himself powerfully to those two disciples by the breaking of bread. And it's through the breaking of bread that we're going to respond this morning. If you're a follower of Jesus, we welcome you to take part in communion by breaking off a piece of the bread and dipping it into the cup. And that's because on the night that Jesus was betrayed, He did take the bread, break it, and say, This is my body which is broken for you. And then at the end of the meal, He took the cup and He said, This is my blood of the covenant. Paul tells us later in 1 Corinthians that as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we remember Christ's death until He comes. 
So this morning, as we remember how faithful Jesus is to us, that he over and over again reveals himself in his word, I want to invite you to come and to celebrate that, to remember that you are a son, you are a daughter, that he has redeemed you. Father, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you that it is powerful, it is true. How amazing it is that you choose to speak to us through it. How amazing it is that you would choose to draw near to us, even though we are who we are. Lord, help us to be diligent, to be in your word, to seek you in your word, and then to share that with our faith family here. We love you. We submit our lives to you. Amen.